Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. Y'all, I am so fired up about this message. I just can't tell you. And I, I, don't get me wrong, I love the Word of God, and I always see incredible value in it. But this one, I, I tell you, if I was a jumper, I'd be jumping, because this is so cool. I've really been seeking the Lord about where do we go as a church. And so this, honest to goodness, is the next step. It's the next step God wants us to take as a church. And it's good that we're all here and hearing this together. And and if you know somebody not here, encourage them to podcast it, to look on Facebook. Not because I need people to hear me preach. we got to stay on the same page because we're about to move forward into the future God's got for us. We started the year with the word of the Lord to us for this year. It was be led. And every time the Lord speaks a word to us, guys, it turns out we need it. Every time. And so we have spent the whole first five months of this year, be led, follow Jesus. And if we're going to be led and follow Jesus, we got to learn how to hear his voice. So we spent six weeks learning to hear the voice of God. And now, oh my goodness, it is time for us to move forward. Anybody here tired of treading water? Anybody here tired of going in the same little circle? Anybody ready to move forward? Come on, say, look at somebody next to you and tell them, it's time to move. That's what I'm saying. Look at what the Word of God says. I tell you, every once in a while, you find a scripture that is so much fun. And this one of all places is in the book of Deuteronomy. Who would have thought there's a fun scripture in Deuteronomy? Look at Deuteronomy 2. This is Moses telling them what happened up to this point. He said, then we turned and set out for the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. And how many of y'all know what happened at the Red Sea? I seen the movie, both the real one and the, the um, our animated one. Sea opens up in both of them. By, way, by the way of the Red Sea, and the Lord spoke to me, and we circled Mount Seir for many days. And guys, here is the entire sermon in one phrase. And some of y'all need to hear this. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you have circled that mountain long enough. Oh, somebody grab a hold of that. You done circled that mountain long enough. Come on, somebody help me preach this. Look at the person next to you and say, you have circled that mountain long enough. I'm saying you have... Some of y'all know what it is to be on hold and to wait and to be treading water and to be like, oh my goodness. And the Lord, I love it because Moses didn't say it. The Lord said, time for you to quit circling now. It's one thing, circle up the wagons when you have to, but you have circled that mountain long enough. Now turn north and command the people saying, you finna pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau who live in Seir. And look right here, they gonna be afraid of you. Now you know, 40 years earlier, when they got to the edge of the promised land, they didn't go in because they were afraid of the people there. Anybody ever read that story? They said, oh, it's a great land. Look, we got all these grapes. We got this way. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Ain't no doubt it's a beautiful land. But we scared. There's some big people over there. Some of them's Nephilim. Them big old boys. And, and they got fortified cities. And God says, you fixing to go into the land and you're fixing to pass through on the way to get to your land. But look right here. Be careful. Don't provoke them. Because they're going to be scared of you. 
Hear me say this, guys. This is the word of the Lord to some of y'all in this building right now. The very things you thought you had to be scared of, they are scared of you. When they went to Jericho, guys, Joshua 1, when they finally do cross the river and get into Jericho, do you know what the first thing the people of Jericho say? It's been 40 years. There were no newspapers. There were no internet. There was no way to get news other than word of mouth. And it's been 40 years. And the guys at Jericho said, we heard about what God did to those, those Egyptians. We heard about that Red Sea. We heard about all them plagues. And, and we scared of y'all. 40 years later. 40 years later. That's like somebody saying, well, God did somebody something for somebody back in 1983. Think it through, guys. Forty years later, God did something. Now, there, there are no, no books. There's no, there's no internet. There's no footage of it. But we're still scared. God said, don't mess with them. They're scared of you. And look right here. Be very careful. Don't provoke them. Oh, my goodness. We're going to preach on that in just one second. Because I'm not going to give you any of their land, not even much as a footprint, because I've already given that land to Mount Seir, and to Esau. Israel went in circles for 40 years in the wilderness. Up until this day when God says, you've circled the mountain long enough. Come on, get this in your spirit. Somebody say it with me. You've circled the mountain long enough. Why did they wander in the desert 40 years? Because it took God less than a year to get them out of Egypt. But it took him 40 years to try to get to Egypt out of them. See, there's so much Egypt in them. And so, guys, if you're going to ever move forward into your best days, you're going to have to throw off your slave mentality. That's the first thing you're going to have to do is throw off. And hear me say this, guys. I'm careful about the words I pick. I didn't say walk away from or drop. I said throw off. Because if you're going to get rid of a slave mentality, you're going to have to throw that off. Well, Pastor, you don't know my personal history. Pastor, you don't know my family history. See, the, the, hey guys, these Israelites were slaves for 400 years. That means mama was a slave, daddy was a slave. Granddaddy was a slave, great-granddaddy. Everybody far back as I can remember, they all been slaves. And we've all grown up expecting that we're going to be slaves. And you know the point of slavery? Slavery is somebody else owns you. You're not free to do what you want to do. You're not free to go where you want to go or, or pursue a career. Or You didn't wake up as an Egyptian slave and said, I think I might like to be a professional singer. No, you had no choices. You had no freedom because somebody else owned you. That's the essence of slavery. And guys, far too many of us living with a slave mentality right now. Oh, pastor, I don't have no slave mentality. I'm not a slave. I, oh, yeah? Well, you know what? That's what that bunch that Jesus was talking to told him. When he talked to them about being slaves, they said, we ain't no slave. I don't know who you're talking about. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus is telling them, John 8, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And look what these guys said. They answered Jesus, who are you talking to? We are Abraham's descendants. Here, let me translate that into 2023 for you. We're Americans. We're George Washington and Abraham Lincoln's descendants. We ain't no slaves. 
And look at what they said. We're Abraham's descendants and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now hold up a second. Has anybody here read the Bible? Just a little bit of it? Anybody here can realize that if you go into the Old Testament or the New Testament, you can't find two books of the Bible where they're not slaves. Look, they just said, oh, we had never been slaves to anybody. What? You don't even get two books into the Bible before y'all are all slaves to Pharaoh for 400 years. Then you get out, you get free, you get on your own, and next thing you know, here come the Midianites, and they take you over, and the Philistines, and, and the Amalekites, and the, all the, and the Cellulites come and get them. And the, I, mean, I mean, all these ites, everybody just gets all over them. And then, the Babylonian captivity. Think y'all slaves again, duh. Oh no, we ain't never been slaves to anybody. And get this, guys. Jesus is standing here talking to a set of people who are saying, We've never been slaves. And as they're saying it, they are under Roman rule. Wake up, stupid. You're under slavery right now. They, guys, anybody know that at the time this was written, these people were living in a Roman occupation of their towns. They were paying exorbitant taxes to the Romans and they couldn't, they couldn't do what they want to do, go where they want to go. They were being ruled by somebody else. And you know, as I'm preparing this message, you know what the Lord said? That right there is a picture of America. Oh, pastor, we're not slaves. Look what Jesus said. They said, how are you going to say we're going to become free? And Jesus answered them and said, truly I tell you, anybody who commits a sin, that one's a slave of a sin. Go back a slide, please. Last, last line on that slide. There we go. Anybody who commits a sin, don't kid yourself. You're a slave of that thing. See, hear me say this, guys. I have no desire to be political. I have no desire to get into all the culture wars that are going around. And believe me, there's plenty of culture wars in the month of June. But hear me say this. I know all kind of people that are absolutely wonderfully free to get into another form of bondage. I know all kind of Americans that you can't tell me what to do and I can buy what I want to buy and I can, if I get the money, I can have what I want to have. And they are beautifully free to enslave themselves to alcohol or enslave themselves to drugs. I know people who are sexually so free that they are enslaved into a lifestyle that leaves them absolutely miserable. A lifestyle that leaves them alone. Pastor, are you saying you're against somebody? No, hear me say this. I am for everybody. I love people. It's why I'm in this job. I'm not here to condemn anybody. Or, but hear me say, guys, Jesus said, when you sin, you become the slave of that thing. And you can be so free. You can be wonderfully free to be enslave yourself. And... Why don't we go on ahead and not put this on the not-churched people? I love that. I just love that. Because, you know, it's so easy for us to say, I'll tell you, Pastor, those people that get into alcohol and drugs and sex and porn and that. Just, I mean, no, no, no. What about us in the church that's so wonderfully free to get into the slavery of living chained to anger? Or wonderfully free to get into the slavery of I'm so insecure in myself that I have to talk bad about people to try to elevate me to the point that I feel better about myself. 
Oh, I'm so free, Pastor. I'm so free. Mm. Well, well, guys, hear me say this. You can live in a sin. You can live in a slavery long enough. You don't even feel like what it, what it feels like to, to, to be a slave. You can get into a tight little circle here. And you don't have any idea you're a slave. Now, a sl- I said, throw off your slave mentality. How does a slave mentality manifest itself? How does it show itself? Well, hear about this. What about when you, I'm talking about you, cleaned up, nice looking, got dressed for church, you. Not those bad people out there, as if anybody was worse than us. What about when you have a dream, have a thought, have something that very likely might be the voice of God Almighty telling you, you can do this, get up and start. I'm going to be with you, and I got this, you can do this. You, You get a dream, and before the devil can stand up against you, your own mind says, not me. Not me, other people do that, not me. Does anybody other than me, don't raise your hand, this is uncomfortable, but it's the truth, guys. Does anybody other than me have a head, a mind of your own that tells you stay in your own lane? That's other people, you can't do that. Oh, you get a dream, you get something dropped in your heart, and it very likely might be God telling you, I got this for you, I want you to do this. And before you can even think about it a second, your own head pops up and says, you could never do that. You can't do that. Stay in your lane. Stay, you, you know your limitations. You know what you... And you know the crazy thing about God, when God drops something in your heart, He absolutely is unconcerned with your limitations because He knows what He can do through you if you'll get out of His way. And He has no limitations. And since He's the one that created you, Moses, please don't tell me about your stutter. Anybody ever read that story? God said, Moses, I need you to go talk for me. And Moses said, I don't talk too well. And God said, who made your mouth, son? Guys, sometimes we're going to have to get pat. There are some of y'all sitting under the sound of my voice as I'm I'm praying on this message and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, God, help me communicate this. And I'm praying, God, what do I need to say? The Lord speaks to my heart, and I honestly think what God is trying to tell some of you is, your biggest problem is not the devil, it's you. You're in your own way. Because you won't even consider what God has got for you, because, no, I can't do that. Mm-mm, that ain't me. I, no, I didn't. Let me tell you a short little story here. Years and years ago, before Rebecca and I ever got into to our first marathoning, the first thing I ever attempted now, you have to understand, I've been dumpy all my life. I have been non-athletic all my life. And I have been not accepted amongst the athletic in my whole life. Humiliated, bad experiences, I'm just telling you. It, it's just not been cool. But I saw an ad, and there was a group in Birmingham, Alabama. We lived there at the time. A group in Birmingham, Alabama, starting a sprint triathlon club. And it was going to be a 10-mile bike, a little five-mile run, and a, a short half-mile swim. And I told, the first thing I did, I read the ad, and I thought, I have always wanted to try something like that. And before I could even say to Rebecca, my own head said, are you crazy? 
you can't do that. You can't do that. You've never been able to do You're not good at that. Do what you're good at. Learn more piano music. Do something you're good at. And I, I thought about it and thought about it, and I was like, Lord, I want to try this now. And so I told Rebecca, and she said, go for it. If you really want to try, I'll support you. I'll be there. I'll, whatever we, and so I got a bike, and I, I'm telling y'all, I showed up to their first meeting of this little club. It was at a, a park with a pond because we were going to swim as well. Swim, bike, and run. And I didn't have a racing bike. Everybody else got out of the cars. with the, They're all wearing spandex biking shorts, and I'm thinking. Because y'all know there's only two completely truthful things in this world, small children and spandex. That I was like, this is not my crowd. And they all got these racing bikes, and I got a bike. And I sat there, I kid you not. Now, y'all, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm, I got confidence. <laughs> I drove up, turned off the car, and sat in the car for 10 minutes. Anybody ever been there? I just, I ain't, this ain't my people. I, they are going to really, and all I could think is, you're about to really humiliate yourself. You're about to really have another bad experience. And so finally, I just, I mean, I was Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. He'll keep calling, he'll keep, I'll, I'll, I'll go. So finally, I, if you don't know that reference, it's a, it's a fun movie. I don't recommend it. But. So I get out of the car, and this guy who, I mean, is the picture of fitness. I mean, he looked like the cover of the magazine. He comes up and sticks his hand out and says, I'm mad, are you new? And I said, does it show? <laughs> and it turns out he was the head of the thing nicest guy you'd ever want to meet and I told him I said dude you don't understand I have never attempted anything like this not like never done anything like this I've never attempted anything like this he said you'll be fine he said you've already won I said what does that mean what does it mean you've already won he said you're not racing anybody out here you're racing yourself, and you've already beat thousands of people who stayed on the couch this morning. You're a winner, dude. Come on, we'll help you. We'll show you. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, most of us don't. They were the nicest set. I cannot tell you how welcoming and helpful and affirming these people were, keeping me going when I didn't think I could. But they were great people. They weren't at all like they were in third grade. I'm just telling you, third grade, these same people were terrorists, but they grew up. And guys, it was wonderful. I ended up, by the time I was done, over the space of about five years, I did about 80 sprint triathlons. The longest one I ever did was uh, an Olympic distance, which is a 25-mile bike, a 10-mile run, and a two-mile swim. But I picked carefully, and I did the, the Nashville uh, Olympic distance sprint triathlon because you get in the Tennessee River and swim downstream with the current. And I'm telling you, it was the most enjoyable swim because they put you in a van and cart you up two miles up the river and you all jump in. And I mean, you're just swimming, but the current in the Tennessee right there at Chattanooga was strong. It was on a curve. And I'm swimming and I'm thinking, I am Lord of the water. I mean, I was... I was Momoa coming through that water. It was just like, whoa, because you're moving so fast. It was just like, but guys, hear me say this. 
my head, every time I got ready to go do one, my head told me, you can't do this. That's not you. You Stay in your lane. And guys, I don't know how else to tell you what the word of the Lord is. But the word of the Lord is, you have circled that mountain long enough. You have gone in a tight little circle. And you've let your own head, you've let the devil, you've let other people. Dear God, when's the last time God gave your haters that much influence over you? No, you've let everybody and their brother keep you in a tight little circle. I'll be right back. Keep you in a tight little circle here. When God says, it's never going to be different unless it's different. (laughs) Well, Pastor, I don't know how to make it different. Get out the circle. It's time to move forward, guys. It's time for all of us to move forward. Hear me say it, guys. Gosh, it is so true. If the Son makes you free, then you really are free. Somebody let that get in your spirit. If the Son makes you free, you really are free. Please, look at the person next to you and tell them, if Jesus made you free, you really are free. Somebody tell somebody. They need to hear it from somebody other than me. If Jesus made you free, you really are, it turns out you really are free. Pastor, I just don't think my marriage can be different. Pastor, I don't think my job can be different. Pastor, I don't think... I mean, I've been in this tight little circle for so long, and I'm used to it. And it's not good, but it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's kind of like... Gosh, I, I'm showing my age here, but it's kind of like that old Barry Manilow song. No jolts, no surprises, no crisis arises. My life goes along as it should. It's all very nice, but not very good. I know I'm cursed with memorizing lyrics, but what a great way to describe the way so many of us live. No crisis arises. It all goes along as it should. It's all very nice, but not very good. Guys, you don't have to stay. And and I heard, it was so funny because I was watching a secular uh, talk, uh, not a talk show, it was a secular uh, interview show. And they were interviewing this woman who was a, like a marriage expert. She, had, she didn't know Jesus from a house fire. She was so far from Jesus. But she said the most interesting thing. And when she said it, I grabbed it. Because I thought, wow, there's a lot of truth in that. She, they asked her about people having affairs and getting out of their marriage and leaving their spouse. And you know, as you get older, you get bored. And, you de- and she said, I just want to tell you, you know, the truth of it is, as adult people, especially in 2023, most people will have two or three significant relationships. Some people it's marriages, but some, you'll have two or three significant relationships within your lifetime. It's just that some of us, some of the mature of us, have chosen to do that with the same person. And I thought, whoa! Because guys, there's a deep truth there. The marriage I have with Rebecca today is not the starry-eyed, infatuated 23-year-old that, that I fell in love with. It's a different relationship. So Rebecca and I have had probably now in 39 years, we've probably had three marriages, but we've just chosen to do it with the same person because I got history with that girl. I love that girl. 
And you know what? If we live another 20 and we both get into geezerdom, the marriage will morph again. But I'm choosing that one. That's, uh, that's a little side sermon, but it's a good one. Guys, long as you're in your tight circle and convinced nothing can change, your own head is self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're convinced it can't, you're going to have to throw off slave mentality. Slave mentality is I don't have any choice. Next thing you're going to have to throw off is unbelief. Throw off. I don't mean drop. I don't mean walk away from. I don't mean leave. I say throw it off. Get rid of unbelief. Look what Hebrews says. The Israelites were not able to go into the land because of unbelief. Now, it has to be said in this context. The Bible doesn't say they weren't able to go in because of doubt. It says unbelief, and they're not the same thing. Doubt. If you are an intelligent, thinking person, you're going to deal with doubts. <laughs> we deal with a supernatural God in a natural world that is fallen. Unless you're a blithering idiot, some kind of Pollyanna, I just think everything's going to work out. Well, honey, you're sweet, but you're not connected to this world. No, unless you're a blithering idiot, you're going to have doubt. And before it shakes your faith, your pastor, your pastor's wife, Kristen, who took us through communion this morning, Pastor Sheree, everybody I know has doubts. But hear me say this, doubt is not unbelief and doubt is not a sin. Doubt is an opportunity to deepen your faith. You stand at a fork in the road and you have a genuine, serious doubt. And what you are being offered is you're either going to trust God or you're not. It doesn't say when you're at this crossroads, understanding is not always one of the choices. I've been at a crossroads before. Believe me, I have walked through barrenness in a church that preached miracles. I've been in more altar calls than I can tell you. I've had more hands laid on me. I've had more people pray over me and say, by this time next year, you're going to have a child of your own body. That wasn't God. Well, Pastor, how do you know that wasn't God? Because there ain't no child. I mean, Leviticus is pretty straightforward. If the prophet's words don't come true, that wasn't God. Duh. But doubt, doubt, when I'm standing at the crossroads, and I, you know, guys, I'm trying not to be judgmental. I'm trying to be a good little believing guy. But when I'm 30-something and I'm trying to believe God for a child, and I say, God, why would you give them a child and not me? Now, I'm old enough now to know what God does with them ain't my business. But at the time, it sure hurt. You have somebody in the church have their fifth child and complain about it. I wish God would give this child to somebody else. And I'm like, I'm going to backhand you and pray for forgiveness later. Oh, but when I'm standing at that crossroads, my doubt is not a sin. My doubt gave me an opportunity to go, God, I don't understand you. But though you slay me, yet will I serve you. Though I don't understand, I'm going to trust you. And God, I know you can 
and I know in your way, in your will, you will. That's, that's the difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is, show ain't looking good. Unbelief is, God's not going to come through for me. Everybody has opportunities to tell yourself, God let you down. No, God didn't heal that time. God doesn't care about you. God's not going to see you through. But the truth of it is, you're going to have to make up your mind that you don't understand His ways. You're going to trust that those ways are perfect. Come on, somebody. I may not understand why this is happening to me, but I know He loves me, and I know that He, when I look backwards, I'm going to see a track record of God was faithful, God was faithful, God was faithful. I know. And hear what it says. The Bible says that once I've been tried, I'm going to come through it like pure gold. Once I've been tried by this fire, God says, you're going to come through it like pure gold. So trust the process, trust the Lord, and don't get off into unbelief. Next, pick your battles. If you're going to move forward, you're going to have to pick your battles. The Lord said to me, you have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. Command the people and say you finna pass through the territory of, the brother, of your brothers, sons of Esau, who live here already, and they're afraid of you, so be careful. Don't provoke them. Watch right here. Let me put that in 2023 for you. Don't pick a fight with them. I'm about to set some people in this room free right now. God said, I ain't giving you any of their land, not even as much as a footprint. I gave that to them. God says, don't pick a fight with them. That's not your battle. You want to know something true? The devil cannot keep you out of your promised land. But he sure can keep you from getting to your promised land if he can distract you with battles that are not yours to fight. The devil's going to bait you. He's going to entice you and present you with unnecessary battles that all they will do is tangle you up. Because unless the Lord gives you the battle, you ain't going to win it. Do you know what made David so successful? Every time David went to fight a battle, read First and Second Samuel, guys. It's all it's First Chronicles. Every time David went to fight a battle, before he went to the battle, he said, "I'm gonna need him to see the priest, and he needs to bring that ephod because we've got to ask the Lord." And time after time after time, the Bible says David inquired of the Lord. First battle in David's life as king. He inquires of the Lord and says, these Philistines are, are fighting hard and heavy. Lord, should I go up against them? And the Lord said, yeah, take your boys and go on up. You'll have the victory. And David goes, good deal. And he jumps out, fights the Philistines, and just whoops the tar out of them. Now, give it a year, he's got another battle, another set of folks. And he inquires of the Lord. And the, he said, Lord, should I go up and fight this bunch? And the Lord says, yeah, but not the way you went the first time. Divide your folks, come around the sides, and wait for me. Read it in your Bible, guys. Wait for me. When you hear the sound of marching troops in the top of the terebinth trees, then fight. Well, now, hold up a second. God, just exactly who would be marching in the tops of the trees? God said, don't get in the fight till you hear the angel host has already shown up. That fight, I'm going to give you, but don't just go off half-cocked because you got to fight somebody. No, 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 no. We inquire of the Lord, 
And when the Lord said, and guys, there were battles that David asked and God said, nope, don't fight them, go around. Well, God, it's a hassle. God said, not your battle. And if you go up against a fight God didn't put in your hand, God ain't obligated to make you win it. It's just the truth. And now, let's bring this into 2023. Some of y'all need to quit fighting with fools on Facebook. God has not appointed you Lord High Corrector of everybody. And just because somebody gets on Facebook and has the gall or the stupidity to say something dumb, if it ain't your fight, leave it alone. All you're doing is shaming the kingdom. Leave it alone. Oh my gosh, did he really go there? Some of y'all may want to edit this message when you listen on the podcast and just go right over that part. But hear me say this, guys. I am on my way to running to the promised land. The Bible says it's time for me to move forward. And for me to move forward by God's voice, by God's will, I got to skirt Mount Sierra, not fight Mount Sierra. I got to go around Sierra, not my mountain. God said, I already gave it to them. Let it be. Not yours to fight. And hear me say this. If I'm going to get to my promised land, I don't have time to argue with fools. I don't have time. I don't, God, I don't have time to argue with people that are a distraction. I don't have time to argue with people that are not going to end up listening anyway. Not a fight you gave me. Look right here. For the rest of 2023, I've made a decision. I am only fighting battles that God himself has put out in front of me and said, fight this when I've given them into your hand already. If God hadn't handed me the battle, uh, mm -mm. because when God hands me the battle, the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly, but they are mighty through God. So I'm only going to pick fights with the enemy that God told me I'd overcome already. And I'm never coming off the battlefield defeated because I'm only fighting the battles he's handed me. Guys, get, take a lesson from Saul. Take a lesson from Israel before Saul. They thought, we'll take the ark of God. We'll take the magic box. We'll take the Indiana Jones box into battle with us and it will guarantee victory. If God didn't tell you to go. So, here, watch right here. Elsa, let it go. Let it go. If it ain't your fight to fight, let it go. Because some, and, and some of y'all have family members that are experts at baiting you into a fight that God never intended on you having. Some of y'all got a boss that is so good at pushing your buttons. And you know what the word of the Lord to you is this morning? Cover your buttons. Don't, don't put your button. Some of y'all get out there and go, I don't know why people push my buttons all the time. Well, it's because you wear them like this, dummy. You put your buttons out there and just, I, I'm waiting somebody to offend me. Well, honey, somebody's going to. My Lord. Don't fight battles that are not yours to fight and then last. Grab a hold, lay hold of what is yours. What is yours? Your lay hold. I love this terminology. Again, I pick words carefully, but I try to pick words that are scriptural. And this is lay hold. You understand lay hold is a different thing than pick up. You pick up something, you might get distracted and drop that. But if you lay hold, any of y'all ever picked up something that you want to get a good grip on? I mean, some of y'all got a three-year-old. 
I tell you what, my mother, she appeared to be the sweetest and most feminine woman. And then when she grabbed your arm in the TGNY store, you were like, bite. It was the jaws of life. I'm losing feeling in that hand, Mom. Lay hold. You know what? You lay hold of stuff you don't want to let go of. Lay hold. One more time in this scripture. I love this. I love this. I love it. The Lord spoke to me and said, y'all circled the mountain long enough. Now get on. Turn north. Command the people saying, you're going to pass through the territory of your brothers who live in Seir. They're going to be afraid of you. Don't provoke them. Be careful. Don't provoke them. But look at this last part. Not going to give you any of their land. Not so much as a footprint. I gave that land to them as a possession. God is so straightforward about this. You hear what he said? I ain't giving you none of their land. Not even so much as a footprint. I gave it to them. Somebody say, gave it to them. Look right here, guys. None of that is yours. But do you know what the implication here is? God said, none of that is yours. Why? Because you got your own and this ain't it. Before they ever set out from Egypt, God said, you got your own and it's better. You got your own land. And so before you get, and guys, if you've ever been to the Holy Land, you can see Mount Sierra is pretty. It ain't, it's not rock and desert. It's green, it's nice, it's pretty. But it is not yours. And because God has set aside mine for me. Here, how many of y'all know God understood DNA before we did? How many of y'all know God put together DNA? And when God was making that double helix twist thing that made you you, I mean, you know, some of y'all had a double helix twist that said, okay, give her a big nose. All right, there's the big nose gene. Give her, I mean, I, believe me, I got some I'd want to just take out of the, the double helix. But when God was putting you together to be you, He also gave you a destiny. He also gave you a calling. He also gave you, the Bible says He put it, He knew you before you ever got here and He put gifts into you that are yours. Nobody else's, yours. Nobody else can show up with a claim check and say, Holy Spirit, I'm here and I'd like to pick up what belongs to, to Corey. I want his gifts. I, I want his stuff. Holy Spirit's like, it's his. Now, if Corey never picks it up, nobody else is ever going to get it anyway. It's his. It's got his name on it. And it had his name on it when Corey was out doing stupid stuff. Hear me say it. Because you are not... You, in your pitiful attempts to walk away from God, are not strong enough to wreck His plan for you. You are not smart enough or stronger. You can't sin hard enough to ruin His destiny for you. And any idiot that told you you're disqualified or you've sinned so much you can't be used, just look at them and say, I'm, I'm sorry, what chapter and verse, please? Because it ain't in the book. It's not in the book. What God set out for Corey before he was born, is his. And God's got a destiny for you. God's got gifts for you to walk into. And hear me say this, Corey. It ain't just about you. It's for you to be used to bless other people too. God's got a destiny for you to do something bigger than you and your family. We all get so, so tunnel visioned. And God, I just want you to provide for me and mine. And when God is saying, Honey, I, I've got this set up where you and yours are going to be abundantly taken care of, let's get your focus a little bit higher. 
and get on to how can you be a blessing? How can you be the conduit that God's Spirit flows through and ministers to somebody else? And my anointing, my destiny, my gifts, my call, my stuff has my name on it already and you can't get to it. You know what that means? I don't have to be jealous of anybody. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, I don't have to envy anybody. When you get a brand new car, I can rejoice because it was never supposed to be my car. See, we get so petty. Well, God, they got that. Some of y'all need to read the last chapter of John. The last chapter of John, Jesus is restoring Simon Peter. I love this spot. Jesus is restoring Simon Peter. And he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. I got a destiny for you, Peter. I want you to be active in connecting people to God. Here, get in about what your destiny is. And in the middle of Jesus discussing his destiny with him, Simon Peter goes, what about John? What about John? And if Jesus were walking in 2023, the scripture would read, not your business. Now, read it, please. Last chapter of John. Because Jesus says, I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. Because he is a lot of things, but often he's not just sweet, polite. Jesus says, what is that to you? <laughs> you be about what I gave you to do, son. You, that, what, what, what difference about John? Don't you worry about John. So guys, hear me say this. This means you never have to be jealous. You never have to have envy. You never have to take revenge. You never have to be bitter because God blessed somebody else. Nobody has your anointing. Nobody's going to take your place. Nobody's going to snatch something that God has set out for you because you got to lay hold of yours. You can leave Mount Seir. You can go right around and get on where you're going because yours is yours. And it was yours before you ever got here. See, God's got a destiny for you. And guys, hear me say, I, I just, I love this. Because this message is, yes, for us as, as individuals, but it's also for us as a church. We as a church stand on the precipice of, we could do everything I'm preaching about today. We as a church could be very comfortable right here in our little circle. Because, I mean, you know, it's a nice building, it's air-conditioned, thank God. And, and, and it's, you know, all our pay, bills are paid and we're, we're doing great and we got money in the bank and we. And the truth of it is, if God says time to stop circling the mountain and move, it's time to stop circling the mountain and move. Because as it turns out, God is maddening in one detail. He always cares about people who don't know him yet. He always has an eye for somebody... Y'all, believe me when I tell you, we're in this building, we love Jesus, we have a great time, we have good church services, we have fun stuff, we have great stuff for our kids. But there's all kind of people that are dying and going to hell without knowing Jesus. There are all kind of people living in hell, trying to have a marriage with no Jesus in the middle of it. There's all kind of people who are having a hard time trying to negotiate this life with no God help. And God's telling us, okay, you've circled this mountain here hard long enough. Start walking. Get to your destiny. Get to where you're supposed to be. Would you, 
I want you to see one more scripture and then stand up with me. One scripture. Look at this. It's got your name on it. Instead of your shame, you're going to get a double portion. You're not even going to get a regular portion, guys. Instead of the shame you've been carrying, you're going to have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, you're going to shout for joy over what you've been handed. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Not somebody else's. God is sending you to a land that belongs to you. And everlasting joy will be yours. Stand up with me. We're going to have a quick altar call and we're going to be done for the morning. Guys, if you would, just out of respect for each other, if you would bow your head, close your eyes in His presence for just one second. There is a real tangible presence of God in this room. And, and some of you have been sensing the presence of the Lord from the time this service started. Some of y'all, from the moment I stepped up here and started preaching, I mean, the first time I said, you've circled this mountain long enough, you know in your chest, this word's for you. This is not just a, a sermon. This word is for you. And some of y'all, this morning, you need to get right with God. You don't need me to tell you you're not where you ought to be with God. And there's no judgment. Guys, believe me, every one of us have been in a place where we weren't right with God. We needed to get it right. But the only way to get it right is to get it right, guys. You might have given Him your heart sometime in the past, but you know you're not living for Him right now. You can feel Him pulling at your heart. And guys, I'm begging you, don't brush that off. That is the Holy Spirit of God drawing you home. Just one second here, I'm going to open these altars, and you need to respond in that moment. There are others of you standing here that God is speaking to you this whole message. You, this message has been for you. You've been circling a mountain, making do with the marriage that you got. You've been circling the mountain, just getting by, trying to raise your kids. You've been circling the mountain, going, gosh, I hate this job. Gosh, I hate this job. Every Monday, I hate this job. So guys, if you need to make a decision that, God, I'm going to quit circling the mountain, and I'm going to step out, we're going to open these altars. And so if you need to get right with God, or you need to quit circling the mountain, right now, as our, as our elders, our staff, our prayer ministers are coming, would you step out right now? And come on, let's pray together. That's it. Be bold. Be brave. Lord knows you're not going to quit circling the mountain if you're not bold. If you're not brave. Come on, step out. And let's pray together. Let's seek God together. Oh, Father, I am so thankful, Lord God, for what you're doing. Father, I thank you for your word that calls to us, God. Your word that speaks to us and says, come on, stop doing this. Stop going around this mountain. Father, I thank you that when you say it's time to move, it's time to move. And God, you've given us all the ability, the power, the, the open doors to move. Father, we feel your Holy Spirit. Anybody else want to come get in this before we pray real quick? Like I said, we're not going to labor this. We're not going to be here for, for 25 minutes. This is going to be a, a, a in and done. But if you need to step out, come on, guys, step out. This isn't about, I, we don't count, we don't care about numbers. What we care about is you connecting with God. 
So if this is you and you need to step out, come on, step out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. Guys, if you're still in your seat, would you reach a hand forward and let's pray for these that have come? Come on, let's pray together. Don't let me just pray by myself. Let's pray together and let's believe God. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for your word that calls us out, your word that calls us up, your word that calls us forward. And God, I thank you that we don't have to envy anybody else's. We got our own. God, I thank you that we can throw off that slave mentality that says, no, not you. You can't do it. It's never been you. You're not good at that. God, we throw that mentality off. If you told us we could, we believe we can. God, if you're calling us to do it, you're going to empower us and equip us to do it. So God, we throw that off. Father, we throw aside unbelief. And Lord, when we come to times of doubt, we reaffirm our trust in you, Lord God. Whether we understand it or not, we trust you. Oh God, we lean into you this morning. Oh, dear God. Father, I thank you that you help us not fight battles that aren't ours. They're not ours to fight, God. Let us walk around battles that are not ours. And Father, help us to walk into everything you got, got planned out for us. Everything you've got set out for us. Everything you've got earmarked for us. God, we want it all. We want to not miss anything that's you for us. Father, empower us by your Spirit. Help us to walk out these decisions, God. In Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed together and said, Amen. Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.